Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Here we go. Thursday, Silver Sevens is the site. We're here for every Thursday night football game. We have a uh, interesting game coming up tonight. Big spread in the game. John Von Tobel will help us break it down along with Brad Powers. Later on, we're going to check in with former Raider and uh, San Diego State alum, Kirk Morrison. Xavier Pope is up in about 40 minutes on Kyrie Irving. So loaded show today up until 5 o'clock, and then we hand it off to Thursday night football when the ball kicks off, 77-cent beers. By the way, we also have VGK today. Game Double. two. Game two of their northeast road swing. What's up, John? Nothing much, man. <clears throat> wow, that was bad. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. I will say, on my way in, I consumed a Lunchable. I still eat Lunchables. I enjoy them. Just a quick turkey and cheese. You you like deli cuts. I feel like you would appreciate that. Yeah, I don't do it uh, in such prim and proper fashion. The Lunchables are way too fancy for me. Really? Even I just though I'm like one hand in it on the way, like while I'm driving. That's pretty much what I do. Yeah, yeah. I just take a uh, little Tupperware, throw some meat in it, some cheese, and let's go. Roll it up, and we're good to go. Little finger food. Wash your hands when you come into Silver Sevens, please. I do. There you go. Hand sandy. Uh, busy day. Busy day. I actually wanted to start out with the NBA, but not that yet. We'll get to Kyrie Irving later on. He oh. spoke again today. Boy, it was fascinating. Um, there are games tonight, and I do want to talk about the Lakers later on tonight. Golden State at Orlando. Denver and OKC, there's a couple stories here. First of all, watching Golden State, what are they going through at this moment? So I think there's a couple of things. One, so Kerr is not messing with his lineups, but he's letting the the young guys play a lot. He's going with a lot of these, like, hockey uh, changes when it comes to substitutions. So, like, if you look, I wrote about it today, actually, in the uh, the daily write-up on VEASAN.com. Steph Curry off of the floor. Clay Thompson has been on the floor for only, like, 20 of those possessions. And, and Draymond Green has only been on the floor without Steph Curry for, I think, 13 possessions. So it tells you, like, he's just doing, like, these mass changes. He's letting young guys um, like James Wiseman and Moses Moody kind of work things out. Ty Jerome is out there as well, which is kind of odd. Um, I've kind of forgot about him for a while. Uh, but I think that's what they're doing. And, you know, they're letting young guys work. They're kind of rolling through the season somewhat uh, softly. Clay Thompson's not really the same. It is weird to see so them that's with what it is on, that, That's what it is on Clay. Like it's you don't think it's going to come back? Is it gonna is he gonna work through this through the season? I mean he's coming off of two horrific injuries. He got some playing time last year. Like is this just old age or like he's off the cliff or he can kind of fight uphill here and get back to a decent level? He's not been terrible. He's just not shooting the ball that well. He's not shooting the ball that well, he's not defending that well. Um I would say that he's not going to be the same Clay Thompson we saw from a defensive standpoint in the past. All right. But I still think he can be an adequate player. I mean, in the, in the postseason, I think he shot 38% from three, like something pretty respectable. He's still going to be a pretty good player. And I just think that at this point right now, when you're talking about your first full season back, because he came in late in the season, you know, they're just working him back, and it's a team with much higher aspirations. They're probably just going to work through things early on, and they'll be fine. No need to freak out the first 10 games of the season, really, with anyone. No. Especially the teams that are supposed to be losing and that are winning. Cut right. it out. Yeah, like teams like them, like the Clippers, right? The Clippers have not looked very good, especially on offense. I think they're 29th in offensive efficiency right now. Those kind of teams, if we get like 20 games in and they're still kind of looking the same, 
then I think you can start to look around and be like, ooh, okay, well, this isn't really optimal. Let's see if we can start to pick these things up here a little bit. Are you laying the nine and a half with the Warriors? No, so I've bet them so I bet them against the Heat. I bet them against Charlotte when they lost that game as well. And then I bet them when they played Phoenix. That was also a road game, and obviously they lost all three. So I like even wrote about it today, where it's like until they start to show that they're going to take these road games seriously, or maybe these rotations tighten up a little bit more from Kerr. I just don't want to lay these big numbers because I've been burned a couple of times. It's not even just big numbers; just don't want to lay it. Although I will say on paper, it should probably be a game which they should win and cover. I didn't expect to be talking about the Thunder. Oh boy, as formidable. But I see you tweeting about like they're awesome. They're uh, they're taking on the Nuggets, who are very good as they get back to full health with uh, Jamal Murray back. It's only six and a half nuggets on the road. If I can stress, if I if you come away, you driving around and listening to this, if I can tell you one thing that you will take away from today, please watch the Thunder tonight. They are so cool. They're this great. Loves, this man loves the NBA. They're so great. And, and here's the thing: so they are six and, from a betting standpoint, Steve. They are four and three straight up. They are six and one against the spread this year. Wow. Going back to the beginning of last year, they have covered at a sixty three percent clip. They are a competitive team. They're young. They're extremely well coached, and they have really good young talent. They're going to get Josh Giddy back tonight, who's like their six foot nine point guard essentially. Him, Lou Dort, Shea Gilgis Alexander. They've got a bunch of young dudes who can play really good basketball. And go back to the last couple of nights, right? On I think it was Saturday night or Sunday night, they play the Dallas Mavericks. They're down by sixteen with less than five minutes left to go. They go on an eighteen to two run to tie the game, go into overtime and beat Dallas. And then they follow that up with another fourth quarter comeback, albeit not as big, against Orlando, and they end up winning that game. I love this team. I love watching them. I think they're the most fun team in basketball. And if you told me right now that they the organization was going to try to win as many games as possible this year, I bet them make the playoffs. I love that team. Is uh, SGA going to win the scoring title? I don't know. I, I think he's got a pretty good shot. The, the problem is, is it, the audience is like, "What? What? Who is SGA?" We well, already said the name, yeah. Shea Gildas Alexander. He's on a team, Clipper that, that need, yep, that needs a leading scorer. And a lot of people kind of joke, like, "Hey, you know, don't play him a lot this year if you actually want to tank and try to get in the uh, women Yama thing." But you really can't contain the dude. He's twenty four years old and he's ready for a breakout. And he's he's been on his way before. This isn't a surprise, but now we're talking about a guy who might average twenty seven. Plus a game. What's interesting about him, too, is he's a little ahead in, ter- in terms of his timeline than or Oklahoma City as a whole. Like if you look at their roster, their roster is littered with 19 to 22-year-olds. And Shea Gildress-Alexander's you know, old at like 24 and a half years old, I think, or something along there. Like, there's a really strong argument to be made that you can maybe ship off, and some people have talked about this, that actually he's a trade candidate for Oklahoma City to get some assets and they continue to roll forward. I'm not sure if that's going to be the case, but he and Lou Dort together – are such a phenomenal duo, and Dort is such a good defender. Can I tell you, at Summer League, when they were out here, I almost ran physically into Lou Dort, uh, the tunnel door, you know, that little one uh, down at the Thomas Mack, for those who don't know. Did you almost hurt him? Uh, Did no. you knock him down with your, your uh, you know, whatever you are, 270-pound frame? It's, you're um, a big man. Uh, I looked up at, it, yeah. I looked up at him, and yeah. I said, oh, excuse me, sir. Yeah. You're, not, you're not Lou Dort big. <laughs> No, he's giant. Yeah. He's so good, though. I just If you can't tell, I, I really like this team a lot, and uh, they are very much worth watching tonight. Uh, Luca, yeah, lots of NBA coming out of the gates. We love when John is on, and uh, the NBA is in the first 10 games of the season. Luca has come out of the gates just killing it. Mm-hmm. We all have extra interest in Luca here around Las Vegas because the best big man of the century from UNLV, um, Chris Wood, is coming off the bench, and he's doing okay. But Luca actually what tied a Wilt record, uh, 30 points 
in his first seven games coming out of the gates for a season. Yeah, sure, something like that. Um, let's add a qualifier to yeah. that, Steve yeah, yeah. Cofield. Yeah, yeah. Um, sixth man of the year favorite, Chris Wood. He should be. I think I need to say that again. Yeah. Christian Wood, former UNLV runner Rebel, is the betting favorite to win sixth man of the year this year. Yeah, all wanna, of you. You want to remind people again? Uh, how you they love, all treated him? Yeah. I love it. I, I love watching him ha have success. I, I will never forget the year that he left for the NBA draft and the people that laughed and mocked him because he that famous picture of him being dejected at his draft party because he did not get because he did not get drafted heartbroken because this is a kid who's pursuing his dreams and people pointing and laughing and chiding and reveling in his misery look at you all now huh he's been awesome he is a candidate to win sixth man of the year and he is a phenomenal young scorer in the NBA it's absolutely incredible that was a weird season it was would have had a really good season for UNLV but they fell short of goals, and people wanted to blame the way uh, Chris Wood carried himself as a reason for an underachieving team. And, and look, I'm never saying that Christian Wood was – like, he, he deserves some criticism for the way he handled himself. I, even now today, like, so for example, I was listening. You know I love the uh, Brian Windhorst uh, podcast, The Hoop Collective. So to, they have Tim McMahon on, who's pretty tight with the Dallas Mavericks. And one of the notes that he had that, like, he was hearing from, like, Mavericks execs and people behind the scenes were, yeah, man, he's been great. He's been on time all day, like, all uh, this entire time since we've signed him. And he's like, that might seem like a dumb note, but apparently he is chronically late for, like, a lot of stuff, especially when he was at other spots. He still has these little hiccups. Uh, but, so again, not all, his, not all everybody else's fault. He had some criticism. But in terms of just watching him grow – and punting on all these kids. It's not just him. So many people will punt on dudes because they don't make it initially. These guys go in so young. They have time to develop and grow and change, and it has happened for Christian Wood, and he is a really good basketball player, man. I'm glad to see him doing really well. It's a, it's a good story. He's making a lot of money. He's making you know generational money, so good for him. I'm glad this is working out. Let's get to a little Raiders. We'll get to a quick preview of the Eagles and the Texans on Thursday Night Football. we got to talk about the Las Vegas Phillies. No, they're Philly Phillies now, not, not Las Vegas last night. They got no hit, and uh, we are about half an hour away from talking to our buddy from Chicago, attorney out of Chicago, or cultural contributor here on Cofield and Company, Xavier Pope, about the latest with Kyrie Irving and the NBA. Daily happy hour specials from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., including 277 for pints, shots, and margaritas at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens. No, move on tomorrow. It's cool. We'll be in the history books, I guess. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. I'm not so happy, Schwarbs. Schwarby. You talking about he doesn't care? Well, that is kind of the way you have to act. I don't know if you need to be all sullen and right. annoying about it. But, yeah, they got no hit, combined no hitter. If people don't know who Christian Javier is, you do now. And it's why the Astros are awesome, right? Yes. Because their pitching staff goes deep, 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 and they continue to develop guys. And they're so confident in their bullpen that Dusty Baker you know, treats it like he should, like a regular season game. Penn closes things out. I thought it was awesome. Well, Did you think there was anything wrong with Dusty Baker taking him out after six? No, of course not. Like you said, it's trust in a bullpen that's been really solid for this team. And I, I thought it was more impressive, too, because it comes right after 
where your other starting pitcher the other night is maybe tipping his pitches and the Phillies looked like they're pretty locked in on what he was doing. And you hear a lot of like, oh, it's, this is it. It's the Phillies' year. They're going to rock this team. And I kept thinking, I'm like, man, you know, this team is so loaded with arms. Like, yes, it's one game and they're down 2-1, but they're pretty steady as they keep going along, and that really seemed to be the case. I mean, the Phillies struck out 14 times as well. Like, that's the other part. This was such a really good performance from this pitching staff all the way through. 118 years of the World Series, only one other time, which is pretty incredible. With as many good pitchers, and I know obviously the teams in the World Series have good hitters too, but as many dominating pitchers who have been in the World Series, only one in 118 years, and everyone knows that one. It's Don Larson. Perfect game, actually. 1956 World Series. Did you see that Javier threw out there that uh, his parents told him that he was going to throw no hitter? Is that one of those where it's just like, hey, good luck, yeah, you're going to throw no hitter? They really felt it. They really felt it, and they knew he was going to throw no hitter. No, that's probably they tell him that every time. It was like that one time when Chris Bryant, like there was a time where he told, like he hit a walk off, like like home run. He's like, I told my kid when I left, I would hit, uh, hit a walk off for him. Like, yeah, I'm sure he tells him that every day he leaves. <laughs> Got to instill confidence in your kids. You know, who never gets love in in games like this, especially combined no hitters. The catcher. Well, because nobody really understands what a catcher's job is. I think. Right. You know, like calling a game and pitching and all of that kind of stuff. Most catchers now have much. Well, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to compare it to every catcher of the past, but I think. There were dominant pitchers in the past who, you know, wanted to make the calls, and especially a veteran catcher like Vasquez, mm-hmm. he's going to make a lot of the calls on a lot of the pitches. And pitching coach uh, Joshua Miller, you know, called him out positively and said, "Hey, give that guy some credit too." Yeah, I think, and I do think a lot of people might skew the um, the credit there too, because remember, Steve, the pitcher does this, shakes his head a lot of the time, <laughs> so he doesn't really call every pitch, Steve. But you know what I love about this the most is that it has been normalized now. The reaction is based on the outcome, mm-hmm. but I think it's been more normalized that, hey, a starting pitcher is throwing a no-hitter. That pitcher generally, during the regular season, say, went seven innings. It's time to take him out. And doing Sports Talk Radio some you know 25 years ago, especially if the Astros had blown it, people would have flipped the freak out. Yeah. Back 30 years ago, like, you can't take him out! And now it's almost the opposite. I, God, I saw someone make a smart remark about, you know, someone loving leaving in starting pitchers. Like, the whole game has – you know, we, we often don't talk about the baseball side of things when it comes to analytics. Football, there's still this mighty battle between the, uh, you know, the folks who love analytics and I think a lot of folks who don't understand analytics. Baseball, like, there's really no argument left. So I think most people just accept it. But I think the other positive about taking out a pitcher – Throwing a no-hitter, like, again, 30 years ago and before that, people would have flipped out. But you know what baseball is now? It actually is a team sport. It's not a bunch of selfish bastards running around the sport like, you, you, you know, you took away the, the chance to throw a nine-inning no-hitter. Did they win? Okay, well, then that's all that really matters. Is this about individual accolades or winning the freaking game? Right. Now it's about winning the game. Of course. And I love how that's been normalized and how things have changed. Yeah, I also think, too, it shows that a lot of people, I guess to a certain extent, don't find the regular season very valuable, right? Because you're willing to take that risk in game number 23 of an MLB regular season. But I think in the postseason where you understand, like, what was he What was he at yesterday when he got taken on 97 pitches? 97 pitches, right? yeah. Yeah. I mean, you kind of understand at that point right there, he's at 97 pitches already. Are you really going to try for this in the World Series? Are you going to understand, right. the guy's at 97 pitches, and let's get him out of here. You may need him again. So what a bonus that you've got a big lead and you can take him out 
off a dominant performance. And now next time around, maybe the, the extra 20 pitches you saved him from or four, you know, if he tried to throw a no-hitter, maybe he has to throw 130 pitches. Ooh, do we dare say if this series goes seven and you see Javier again up for MVP, pitches a no-hitter over six, then comes back and gives you another, like, four scoreless, and they win that game? What do you think of the Philly crowd last night? Got quieted pretty early. <laughs> Philly crowd. They, dude, I can, can I say this? So, and By the way, we're going to get to how the Philly crowd yes. treated My favorite guy. Uh, the Astros hero uh, furniture guy. Keep going. Can I tell Philly's you, crowd. so my least favorite thing that has come out of this World Series, uh, besides former Angels, Brandon Marsh and Noah Syndergaard having success and watching them be happy, um, is the fact that I did not realize how highly Philadelphia fans think of themselves as sport fans. It is insufferable, and I have found really? my, I have found myself rooting against them and wanting them to lose this. Well, I think you're the only one on the show. We're also anti Astros and anti Astros fans oh, who, of course, want to put their head in the sand or play the whole "what about ism" game. You know, we cheated, but so did lots of other. Stop whining! Stop whining! I got to root for Philly fans, but but they they have a rep of being great fans, so they're puffing out their chest a lot on it. I just saw in the the incident you were referring to with our guy Mattress Mac. One of the comments on the video was, "That's what happens when you go to a real fan base that has some actual passion for their like, for their team." Like, all right, be quiet. You're not the only fan base who loves their team. Relax. Um, if Kate Upton, Verlander's lady, is sitting near you. Do you need to scream her out of her seat, harass her? Is that what a real fan is? Uh, yes, I think that's what you do, right? That's what you're supposed to Is that do. what you do in Philly? Every single time. Well, and if you can, throw things at them. There was a guy who uh, noticed that Kate Upton was sitting right behind him, and he basically just videoed her <laughs> over his shoulder for multiple innings. So he called it a dream come true. She, was very, she was very enthusiastic. That's kind of creepy. <laughs> you don't think that's weird? I think one video is okay. I mean, the way he took the video right. is a little bit weird. Like, definitely not trying like I, to get caught, right? If I've ever tried to do that, I get real nervous when you're, you're holding the phone up. You're like, yeah, it's a selfie, but I'm really looking over my shoulder. That's who I'm trying to film. Kate but, Upton. Yeah, well, because there's been times, we've all been there, where somebody does try to take a selfie, and you see yourself in the picture, and you're like, all right, what do I do? Get out of it. Like, it's a lot more obvious than you think it is. Yeah. That's really creepy. Are you a Kate Upton fan? This guy said his dream came true. I mean, said true story, dream come true. Um, hashtags included starstruck and childhood dream. Okay. Being able to sit two rows from Kate Upton. Upton. That's a childhood dream. What a life. Does that mean he's had a terrible life or a great life if that's one of his childhood dreams? Um, I'll say, I guess if we're going like binary yes, no, I'll go no. No, really? Pretty far down the list okay. of celebs. Oh, okay. I'm not a TikTok expert. You are. But the... Algorithm? The algorithm has me stuck in a zone. Um, I can't. I can get out of it. But if you watch TikTok enough, you, you do notice there are the Kate Upton body type is very prevalent on Twitter. Well, it's because of the videos that you like and watch. Wait. Oh, no. So I guess <laughs> I like it up. It's correlated to what you like <laughs> and what you watch. Wait, what? If you scroll through my TikTok, it's a bunch of like video games and nerdy stuff. Small, thin, tiny women? The, the, uh, and then the uh, eventually, the, I think you're referring to my wife, who uh, she's been getting jacked, actually. The is other day, jacked? oh, my, the other day well, she I didn't, was did stretching. I say, did I, was there anything demeaning about the comment, small, thin, tiny? I think she would I take didn't it. say skinny. She would take offense to it. 
She doesn't want to be tiny. Although maybe someday she doesn't. I don't know. Um, that's it's, that's it's the way it works, my it's friend. Hard. I was going to say it's hard. You're understanding. You never know. You never know which one's going to come out on which it's hard day. Hard to put your finger on it. Yeah. Um, no. So, uh, but occasionally I'll get like the one where like I'll be scrolling through because I watch like I like funny stuff, right? I'm on TikTok for the hilarious videos. Yeah. And I'll watch one, and then all of a sudden, it's like a transition to, like, jiggling. Man. I'm like, come on, man. Like, what are we doing? I want comedy. I'm here for art. Jiggling what? You know what. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then you, there's something in your algorithm that's finding those things. It's like one every. <clears throat> or do they just shove it at you to see if you'll take it? Oh, yeah. It's like one every, like, 20 videos. I'm fascinated by the way it works. they're, like, male. You know, it's, like, male, 30, like, 30s, 30s. Probably likes this video. Let's see what he does. A lot of cooking videos on my thing, too. I have a lot of cooking. Just depends on what's going on, you know? However you feel. I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah, I think trying we to get all out know. of it. I think we all know. Trying to get out of it, but firing yeah. likes and and watching videos. <laughs> firing likes. I don't do the likes so much. Three six four eleven hundred. Three six four one one zero zero. We got tickets for Jeff Beck, Johnny Depp coming up in town right around the corner. Right around. I mean, it's this week. This is it. We got tickets. Ari's got them right now. Three six four eleven hundred. Three six four one one zero zero. You can. Grab your own tickets. Where the hell is my... Uh, oh, I know where it is. Okay. Um, we'll give you the details on where you can grab tickets on the way back. But right now, Ari's got a pair for Johnny Depp. Jeff Beck, 364-1100-364-1100. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at me, JVT. Or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Cars out of the guns. Raises the leg. Snap. Play action. Looking left. Throws it over the middle. Almost intercepted. It's bobbled. It's batted. And it's picked off. Pete Warner batted it up in the air. And Tyron Matthew on the third deflection dove to the turf and grabbed it on the Raiders 45. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Been a up and down season for Derek Carr. Right now, rated just 25th by Pro Football Focus. Meanwhile, and that's that quarterback. Meanwhile, guys like Geno Smith are top 10. Jacoby Brissett, top 10. Even P.J. Walker in limited action with the Panthers is way ahead of Derek Carr. Uh, by the way, we got a winner on Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp tickets. Show is Friday, 8 o'clock show, The Pearl at the Palms. You can grab your tickets at Ticketmaster.com, and we'll see if we can wrangle up some more tickets for Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp. A little later in the show, we got tickets to see The Who this weekend so jeff back and johnny depp this weekend pearl inside the palms by the way have you been to the palms since they reopened no i haven't actually they did, they did a nice job real nice job i gotta check it out actually the palms before it closed was one of my favorite casinos so but i just have not had the time kids changes everything yep. changes everything all right is Derek Carr hurt Seems like it, I guess. Uh, according to one report, uh, he still has a back injury that he's dealing with, and it actually affected his play against the New Orleans Saints. Orleans? Um, Orleans? So Carr apparently is hurt. Or that is the message that is putting uh, that is being put out there by some, and thus there is an excuse well, how do you ex- to why he's playing. How do you explain his dip in play from years past? And um, I saw a comment from Dave Ziegler saying that, Carr has steadily improved throughout the season. He's actually just been up and down throughout the season. And by the numbers, at least by PFF, Carr just played his second-worst game of the season. So I don't know about improving. And maybe that's the back injury, or maybe it's – I mean, can we really be seven games in and this thing is still not humming between Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr? I mean, that would be my thing, right? I mean, look, think about it. It's When you're trying to find out what the issue is, you go to the first obvious thing. Like, what's the change? 
I mean, the change would be the system. The change would be bringing Devontae Adams in. And I think a lot of people go, what? Devontae Adams is not the problem. Well, but when you bring in somebody who has the gravity of Devontae Adams, and maybe there is a thought that we got to get this guy involved or whatever it is, maybe McDaniels alters his system. I'm just you know, speculating here. Maybe the alteration of the system to get him more involved changes things. I, I would think that is near the top of the list on what has happened with Derek Carr. Because, I mean, you know me too. I, I've been a guy that has been very pro Derek Carr. And right now, if you're talking about season-long PFF numbers from a passing grade standpoint, other than his rookie year, this would be his worst year of his career. His rookie year, he had a 54.4 PFF passing grade. This year, he's a 64.2. His next worst season after that was 2017. He had a 69.9. Like he's been a steady dude at quarterback, and all of a sudden it's this. So maybe it's injury. Maybe it's this new system that's not really working for the passing game. I mean, it worked for, what, five straight weeks for Josh Jacobs in the running attack, but it has not worked for Carr for some reason, whatever that may be. Maybe it's the injury, but I would say the safe assumption has to do something with this scheme. How far down does Carr have to drop if it is health-related before you get steady in there? Because there's actually – there are actually Raider fans, Raider Nation, who, you know, we're arguing pretty strong this week. Like, what do we have to lose? Get Stenham in there. We don't know how good he is. I mean, Jared Stenham's not going to be the quarterback in the future, though. Like, that's because that's the thing, right? It's you know, for the Raiders, like, like we can compare it to the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts said, "Screw this." Like, we Matt Ryan's not any good. We have Sam Ellinger. We're going to do one of two things. We're going to find out if Ellinger's any good, or we're going to tank to the bottom. We're going to get a really good first round pick. And we're going to get something with that, right? Like, that's kind of the strategy there. You don't have that liberty if you're the Las Vegas Raiders. So I think, for the most part, you got to stay with Derek Carr because he is the one that maximizes your roster if he somehow catches in the next couple of weeks. And maybe, just maybe, in an AFC that's littered with a bunch of ugh teams, you can grab a seventh seed if you get hot. You know who I didn't mention in the uh, top ten for PFF at quarterback? Andy Dalton. My guy. Dalton's going to play again, and... Adam Hill, one of the company members, was you know floating the conspiracy theory that's been talked about in Saints land that Michael Thomas wasn't playing each week because it was Dalton, not Winston. And today, Dennis Allen announced that Thomas is getting toe surgery and he's likely done for the year. Oof. That is one of the oddest stories in the NFL of the last couple of seasons. That he's just disappeared, essentially, yeah. with injury? Yeah, like 120 catch guy just doesn't play. Yep. And the weird thing was, remember, with his previous injury, it was like, what, like a month before the season where they were like, oh, yeah, by the way, he's got to have major surgery. And everybody was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> you don't want to take care of this maybe like earlier in the offseason? You do it right before? I, I, you're right, because he had an incredible year. It was a record-setting year and then just fell off the face of the earth with injury and he's never come back. And here's the thing. He's obviously kind of wrong. I love Jameis Winston. Andy Dalton's been great. You know, he's not going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, but he has been steadily, at the very least, what would you say, a top, tw like, 12, and he's probably 12, but, like, top 12 to 14 guy. He's playing well. From his production, and that's been a big reason why they've been able to have success. Like, why would you be mad at the situation? And I think Winston is ready to come back or close, but I, I don't think Winston could have gone most of the time that Andy Dalton was in. So it wasn't like they were screwing over Jameis Winston. No, and I actually, I think there are different types of quarterbacks in the way that they play. But in terms of their production, I mean, you can make the argument that they're the same quarterback. The, the problem with Winston, he's going to go like this, right? I'm doing like the Peaks and Valleys thing. And so that evens out to what Andy Dalton's going to be. Andy Dalton's going to be the same guy almost every single week. And that gives you a little bit more of a chance to have some steady production. In a division, by the way, that is wide open. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I've talked about the Saints being the favorite. Uh, they're not on the odds board. It's still the Buccaneers at a minus number. 77-cent beers. Not only for Thursday night football, but now that hockey season has started, every VGK game, when you come in and you hang out at Silver 7's, Flamingo and Paradise, the beers are 77 cents for Golden Knights games. So we got a double dip tonight, 4 o'clock start with the Golden Knights on their East Coast road trip. And once the football is up and running, until the end of the game. So you're looking at uh, basically today 4 until 8, 8.30, 77 cent beers. So come on down here, bet the games, gamble a little bit, hang out at the bars, watch sports, 77 cent beers, Silver 7s. Join Cofield and company on Fridays for the 3 to 6 show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. Lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor, Xavier Pope. He is live on Cofield and Company. Lift me up. Hold me down. Keep me close. Ooh, I like that. John? What? <laughs> Xavier Pope is in Rihanna, Wakanda forever. What's up, Xavier? Hey, what's up, man? I got, I got my co-host not paying attention at all. I was like, well, I was I, listening to I, it. I, I, I don't know what you wanted. I was like, do you like it? Oh yeah. What do you think? I like it. What do you think, Xavier? I are you excited for Wakanda forever or not? I, I, I'm in, interested in how the storyline is going to go. Um, okay. I, it's not the same phenomenon that Black Panther initially was. It was a different time in the country, but it definitely was uh, a time that a, a lot, it was an important moment for black culture. And people showed up in different outfits and brought their kids. I, I specifically went to New York and I went to the theater in 125th Street, the Harlem, and went and saw it. You know, it was a big deal. Um, this movie doesn't feel like a cultural event in so much as it just it's like another sequel. And we and because also it's because of Marvel's Phase Four has been such a dud so far. Um, I think people are kind of figuring like what what's happening, like what's the next thing, and how do all these different discombobulated teaming parts kind of fit together in a narrative that uh, that that Marvel is trying to tell. Xavier, how much do you think Bozeman's passing also affects that too? Because this also, for like from my perspective, it feels more like a, uh, almost like a eulogy to him. Like I know he's not in it, but it does have a very heavy feeling to it coming into it. Yeah, it does have a eulogy kind of feel to it, and I, I don't know whether people have the stomach for something like that, considering yeah. we're living in a time where many people have, have have died of COVID, and also a time that we have a lot of division in the country um, and people. Don't want to feel another layer of being traumatized like that. And so it just it, it has it, it, it it's a it's a little of a letdown in terms of the feeling that comes into the movie. But I think I'm still excited to see the movie. It just doesn't have the same ah. Let's go see Black Panther. It's the first movie. Now you said, and I would agree with the sentiment that uh, Phase Four has kind of been a dud. Having said that, you're you're excited for Kang the Conqueror, right? Like what they're going to do with him. I I feel like they're going to do really well with him. I, I have no idea no. what they're gonna. No, I don't know. I, 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 I'm, I'm just, I'm just going. Like Doctor Strange, the, the latest movie was an absolute mess of a film. Uh, some of the Disney Plus series um, have fell flat to me. Uh, the last couple of series uh, just really weren't very entertaining at all. I didn't like Hawkeye. I didn't like Marvel. 
um, a She-Hulk. I definitely wasn't a huge fan of that. Um, and so, and then we leave off. The last time we heard of Kang was pretty much in Loki, which was great. Um, so I, I hope that with the new Ant-Man uh, movie, Quantumania, um, that looks intriguing. Um, and also, I will say this, Ant-Man had the clues to all the movies in terms of tying them together. So this movie is definitely worth watching. Now, I'm excited to see that. I'm happy to see what happens with Kang, but uh, right now we don't really know. Steve? Xavier Pope is <laughs> with us. All right, we're in whatever it is now, like day seven of Kyrie Irving. He spoke again today. Adam Silver spoke, made some comments. Where are you right now on Kyrie Irving? Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving. I think he's a known quantity at this moment. Uh, he's someone who's proclaimed that the earth is flat. Uh, he was someone who did not play because he refused to get vaccinated um, and lost out on money as a result initially. Uh, this is someone who feels proud of whatever knowledge he feels like he can gain. And so he is in um, – Jamel Hill wrote a great article in The Atlantic about it that pretty much explored uh, some of the frustrations that finding – he talked about today, big finding his place in the world and even him learning about the world. But there are better ways to learn about the world than being anti-Semitic. I just think that Kyrie Irving – um, got a little piece of information. That's the thing I tweeted earlier about conspiracy theories. They give you just enough to speak to your base fears, and then you buy in everything that's in it. Right. I, I think that the conversation in and around Kyrie Irving really hasn't been fleshed out and nuanced enough um, in terms of the connection to black Hebrew Israelites uh, and New York City culture. He, he's there in Brooklyn, and also how it's influenced a whole generation of hip-hop music uh, in some of the lyrics that are there, and I think that most of the country has, has absolutely no idea going to these coffee shop and ramen noodle places where they're playing 90s hip-hop and don't know there's tons of lyrics that are openly expressing some of the things that I wouldn't necessarily say that in the documentary that talk about some of these concepts of Hebrew and Israelite thought process. Should we all watch this documentary? Yes, absolutely not. I mean, we, we, we don't have to watch. I mean, if you want to do it for journalistic purposes, I think there is some value to it as a journalist. But as a person, I don't necessarily think it's there. Jamel Hill talked about on the documentary, and there, there are you know, very anti-Semitic things that were there, you know, lifting up Henry Ford and him talking about the problem that Jews being a problem and, and also uh, some of the uh, other things that are disparaging there. I, I think when it comes to things that are offensive, the general public does not have to consume the things that are offensive that are against different uh, races of people, sex, uh, uh, their gender, any of that stuff. I think that it's incumbent upon journalists to kind of uncover what aspects so they can tell that story to inform the public. I think that part is important. But as a general, I'm not going to Amazon to watch that film. I have no, I don't want to waste my time there are better ways to waste my time to get on amazon i could i could watch thursday night football and see the, the, the two teams that suck play each other every week i mean that that all said how do you have an intelligent conversation with someone who simply fires back on social media what's the big deal this whole thing is overhyped uh you know Kyrie's a victim if you you know i'm not saying you specifically but if we don't yeah. go and watch and get informed on what he tweeted out and why it was offensive well, if you get informed about it, I mean, you can. You can there, are fin- there are plenty of, of things that you could do to learn about the black Hebrew Israelites um, other than watching this documentary. They, 
who's to say that this is the best authority on the history of the black Hebrew Israelites and their right. thought process, how they came to be and how they influenced culture and if in hip hop culture and black culture in New York City and why, how Kyrie Irving could become attached to something like that. I don't think that it's fair to say this is a definitive thing that you need to watch it's just because it's on Amazon. So and even if you were completely boned up on everything you need to know, people that are ignorant are so comfortable and so proud and so confident in their ignorance these days. There's no amount of information that you can do. Um, when you, there's an old saying, when you argue between, you know, uh, with, with a fool, the person from a distance doesn't know which one is which. So actually, kind of along those lines, Xavier, and I I wish I could remember who said this because I want to give them credit for it, but they had a great line where it was, you know, when you talk about people like Kyrie or maybe even Kanye, when it comes to those who think they're free thinkers, you even pushing back in any form, just give them credence to their thought process. You're like, see, I'm free thinking. You're just, you're conformed in your ways. You don't understand what I'm on with my mindset. Yeah, uh, and I tweeted about this earlier today as well. How can you be a free thinker and be stupid? Um, Last, I... (laughs) heard it was called a fool um i, I think that there are plenty you, you're free to I'm, I'm thinking right now aren't you aren't you all talking to me and thinking that whoever's operating the board some their thoughts going in their head hey what i want for dinner i mean there's oh everyone's thinking all the time you're, you're free to do you're always going to jump in your head and tell you not to think the thoughts that you're thinking it's when you come out of your mouth and say things that are not grounded in fact or evidence then you sound like an idiot and so i think that it's important that we push back to people who and for maybe the general population to be able to explain and unpack certain things, but to directly address certain people who are hell-bent on being idiots, it's a fool's errand. I do find Kyrie's discussion style in press conferences, like he had another one today and he was asked a question and went on for three and a half minutes and kind of redirected some angst at the people asking the question. I think this is kind of amazing that athletes are doing this now when we see what politicians have been doing now for you know, the last, whatever, five or six years. Like, I, like at times I want to get mad at Kyrie, but as I watch him, I kind of marvel at him. I'm like, yeah, he's kind of doing what we see some of the biggest power brokers in this country do, which is turn the argument back on other people and basically say, hey, you know what, I'm not going to be accountable. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's a great point, Steve. I, I think we've seen Kyrie get upset. If you have a position and you are challenged on that position and then you – feel the need to attack the person and trying to move and shift the conversation, then something's wrong with your position. I always say on Twitter all the time, I am very comfortable being challenged on my opinions, my views, my thought process. Please, I, I, I'm, I'm open for criticism because I'm confident that I'm able to be able to think. And also, if I am wrong, just say that I'm wrong, unless you're talking about carrot cake. But anything else, <laughs> then that's a whole other ballgame. Yeah. Adam Silver and uh, Xavier Pope is with us here on this Thursday. Joins us every Thursday. Adam Silver said, I'm disappointed that Kyrie has not offered an unqualified apology and more specifically denounced the violent, harmful content contained in the film he chose to publicize. Does Kyrie need to give the right kind of apology? And at this point, does it even matter? And at this point, it really doesn't even matter. I don't even know at this point what, what Kyrie thinks he would be apologizing for. Right. I think... In the, in the mind of in, in, I keep saying Kanye West and Kyrie because they're kind of tied up into some of the same idiocy. Is Kyrie Irving thinks that anyone who has a social media account is they're free to share as long as it doesn't violate the terms of terms of use, terms of service, anything they want. And if they do that, then if it was above board on that particular social media platform, then it's okay. 
I think that's apparently what we what we that's really happening with with Kyrie Irving. Had that con, had that content been maybe moderated in some way, I think that Kyrie Irving would see that there was something wrong with what he said or, or what he tweeted out, as opposed to I'm sharing this and I'm not necessarily espousing what's in it. But then you go back to what him supporting things that were said by Alex Jones, and then him being pushed back on that, and then him trying to extrapolate the parts that he likes and the parts that he doesn't like. It isn't any real critical thought process is being done by Kyrie Irving. He he feels the need to um, to, to express his viewpoint without being challenged on them and say that I'm a free thinker. It, it doesn't work that way. So we saw kind of tying this. Uh, I mean, these guys have kind of been on a parallel path for a little bit. Uh, we saw Kanye return to Twitter the other day, and today he just simply tweets out a picture of Kyrie Irving. What would you make of it? Well, this, this is just someone he, he said I basically – this is the issue that Kyrie Irving is facing, right? right? It's someone who posted something without really real any real context, just shared something, and then here is Kanye West doing the same thing with Kyrie, just a picture of, of, of Kyrie Irving. These are two men who are are acting in reactionary ways in order to advance what whatever they believe is their thought process and feel they are entitled to it. I think everyone is entitled to think and feel how they are, but I think the way it gets lost by these individuals is that we do live in a capital-driven society. If people think that what you're saying offends a certain number of people, then you will pay an economic price for that. I think that what I really believe what's going on is that Kyrie Irving and, and Kanye West feel as African-American men, they don't have the right, they feel like they can be maybe espouse certain viewpoints that are offensive to other people, and they have to pay a price for it when you see people like Tucker Carlson and many others on the right. I'm not saying they are specifically regulating to them, but as a whole, we have a culture where there's a network, there's a group of people that are winning, running for office and winning. We look at various races and see how close they are, and these people are espousing openly racist, anti-submitted, anti-trans, anti-gay words, and they are not paying a political or economic cost for that. And so they feel like there's an imbalance there. It is an imbalance there, but nobody gets to be a jerk. But i got to close on a very light note, but it's an important note because, you know, you rant every once in a while. Um, but before we do that, tell people what's on Suit Up News up on Twitter at Xavier Pope. Well, the first thing we're, I want to point people to, I'm, I, I have a viral tweet that's going on right now. I have an article that's going to be coming up, an editorial train talking about this. I'm going to count on that following up on Suit Up News about the last couple of years and how it's changed society. This goes into Kyrie Irving. People feeling it for the worst in terms of the apathy that people have in modern society, not learning from the pandemic instead of digging into their heels in the worst aspects of human behavior. So that's what I'm focused on, this article that's Fountain Cranes and also the suit-up follow-ups to that, that piece. That's a much better way to close than, than the way I was going to close. So, <laughs> Xavier, I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Hope you're well. I hope it's not too cold in Chicago. It got chilly here, so I can only imagine no, what it's like in the Midwest. Degrees, man. All Great. right. Freaking weather. It's crazy. It's crazy everywhere. All right, Xavier, we'll talk to you. Love you guys. John? Love you too, man. Yeah, Xavier's tweet that he sent out the other day, it's got like 20,000 likes. He said, it still haunts me. Society went into isolation, a million died, and people became worse humans, angrier, actively more hateful and more violent instead of reflection and becoming more empathetic and loving. We continue 
here at Silver Sevens. They love you. They're offering 77-cent beers during hockey and football tonight, so get on down here.